0: Happy feast to everyone, happy solemnity, Christ the King. If you didn't know, so this is literally the last Sunday before the beginning of the new year, next Sunday. So next Sunday is the first Sunday of Advent um, where we begin a new church year. Um, s- just so great. It's like the time when you can finally legitimately put up your Christmas tree because anytime before that, like now, if you have, no, no, you shouldn't do that. Um, but like, it's like today we get to celebrate Christ the King like Jesus reigning over everything. Like he is a Christ. He's the king over everything, like everything. And not only in, in the missile, like in the, the main priest book that we use, the actual legitimate title of today is the feast of Christ, the king of the universe. Like that Jesus is the king of the universe. He's even the king of like the stars and of the sand on Mars and all the aliens that live underneath the surface. Like he is the king and the Lord of everything. Um, And it is so, that is so freeing for our hearts to know that, that he actually has dominion over our lives and he is a good king. I think, I think a lot of the time when we think of like kings, we can have this modern view of a king. Like there's usually two types of kings or queens that we can think of. Like the first is like the idea that someone who is like waited on hand and foot, who is served, who like you imagine the king sitting there like on this like luscious throne and people like fanning him with palm branches and, like, feeding him grapes. It's always grapes for some reason. Like, the idea that a king is just there to be served and there to be, like, like taken care of. Or we have the other view of a king or a queen. Um, like, if you've ever seen the Netflix documentary of The Crown, like Queen Elizabeth, great documentary, or not documentary, it's a historical fiction kind of biography thing. Um, it's great. Like, it goes over Queen Elizabeth's life and... Early on in the show, like when she becomes king, you realize that she is, she's kind of just like a figurehead. Like she really doesn't have a lot of power. So like the prime minister, the, the rest of the government kind of takes care of everything. And she's just this cool figurehead. So we can have the idea of royalty of a king or a queen either being weighted on hand and foot, foot or that they are just a figurehead. Whereas the reality of scripture, the the idea of a king within scripture and within our faith, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament with King David, King Saul, King Solomon, and even before that, the Israelites desiring a king who will fight for them. That a king in the Old Testament, in like thousands of years ago, a king, what his main job was, wasn't to be served. It wasn't to be just this cool figurehead person. It was actually to fight for his people. That was the main role of a king, to go on campaign with his men, with his soldiers, with his people, to protect the realm, to protect his people, and to fight for them when he needed to. That was the role of a king. And so the Israelites for so long wanted a king, um, which they found in Saul, they found in King David, they found in Solomon, um, where they actually had a king who would fight for them. And so we get into the New Testament, get into the time of Jesus, where that was lost. The kingdom was basically lost. And they wanted that back. That was the idea of the Messiah, that a new Messiah would come for them and fight for them in a very secular way, though. And so what do we see in Jesus? We actually see this, that he is a king who doesn't just fight like, and campaign for us on this earth. He fights for us in our hearts. and He fights for us um, in, his, in his own heart. That do we actually realize this? That this is the beauty of like Jesus Christ being called King is that he actually his purpose for us is to fight for us, but do we allow him to fight for us? That's a question, and so my invitation is just to recognize like it. Do we actually allow Jesus to fight for us? Um, like right at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, we know that Jesus was baptized in the Jordan, and like when he is baptized, what happens? The the voice from the Father says, "You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased." And he becomes in that moment, like all of us are at baptism, we are, we become priest, prophet, and king. Like priest, to be able to offer sacrifice and to pray; prophet, to be able to proclaim God's word; and king, that we are in the royal line of the Heavenly Father and of Jesus Christ. And so, when Jesus is baptized, he is made a priest. He is made a prophet. He is made a king. And so, as he is made king, what is the the first thing that he does? Where does he go to? Uh, you can shout it out or not, but like it starts with D ends in desert. He goes to the desert. So like Jesus, what does he do? As soon as he becomes King, he doesn't say I'm King now. Just feed me grapes that he actually goes to the desert for 40 days. And who does he fight? He fights the evil one. He fights the devil. He fights for us to win our hearts, man. It's so good. And so do we actually let Christ the King fight for us in our lives? When I was at U of I in college, um, I had my first experience with allowing Jesus to actually fight for me, and to placing a specific intention under His lordship, like under His kingship. Um, and that was—it <laughs> was when I was deciding to go into seminary. I broke up with my girlfriend, and like I was so confident and like ready to go, and like yeah, I I know I'm being called to be a priest. And breaking up with a girlfriend, and like immediately afterwards, it was like ten minutes later, I'm like I've made a huge mistake. Like I have what? It, like I know she's my she's, like the love of my life. I can't do this. Um and like be, like I remember going to the priest and uh, really, just being kind of downtrodden by actually making a decision and actually having, like a heartbreak within that. Um and when I brought it to the priest, he said, "Well, have you, have you placed this under the lordship of Jesus? Have you placed her under the lordship of Jesus?" And I was like, "I don't even know how to do that." Um, And he said, well, surrender her. Like imagine like giving her back to Jesus. Um, And for me, it was really powerful. It might sound weird, but like it's this idea that the, the things that break, that enliven, that hurt, that all of the things that cause our hearts emotion, Christ wants to be Lord over those things. Christ wants to be king over those things. But we have to invite him in. We have to ask him to fight for us. And so to imagine the things that are in your life right now that are causing you the most heartbreak, that are causing you the most pain, have you allowed Jesus to fight for you? Have you said yes to him? Jesus, I give this to you and I place this thing under my lordship, under your lordship. That this relationship that I have, that is maybe a little unhealthy, that I place it under Jesus. I place it under your lordship. Or that one thing that is like the anxiety of your body right now that causes you the most anxiety. You know that anxiety that like starts in your gut. And like it just like weighs down on you and then it like goes up into your throat. You know, I maybe it's just me, I don't know. But like that that anxiety that causes that, what is the thing that is behind that? Have I actually actually placed it under the Lordship of Jesus? He wants to be the King over everything. He wants to be the Lord over everything. And so my invitation at this Mass, at this altar, when we receive Jesus and during the sacrifice, can you identify those things? Name those things and place it under the lordship of the God of the universe who loves you with an incredible love and who is fighting for you at every moment.